Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into episode number two of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson, former Broncos safety. Nick, we talked a lot about the field goal, uh, the decision uh, the other day. Now let's finally get into some game week prep, uh, some Houston Texans talk. But first, some major injury news with the Broncos. Safety Justin Simmons is going on the injured reserve. Nick, this is um, a pretty big blow, I would say. I mean, obviously, when you talk about uh, guys on the defensive side of the ball, I would say Justin Simmons might be number one in terms of guys you don't want to get injured. No, I mean, this was kind of uh, interesting and unexpected because uh, you and I both were at practice, and uh, that's kind of when the news actually broke. And I guess the first thing that we started thinking about was like, okay, well, how will the defense actually adjust? Because if I'm not mistaken, Justin Simmons – was probably the leading tackler uh, in the secondary, probably behind uh, Alex Singleton, the, the linebacker. So we're wondering, well, who's going to step up into that role? But I'll tell you this, George, I- I'm not going to really panic because we got a lot of that panic after Monday night. And, and here's why, because the Broncos have P.J. Lott, and more importantly, they have Caden Stearns. Now, Caden Stearns doesn't, doesn't have all the experience that Justin has. But once again, last year in his first year, we saw a young player make a lot of plays. And I go back to the play that he made playing the nickel position, playing against the Dallas Cowboys. And one thing that happens when you're a young player, you only focus on your position and your position only. But what Caden was able to do, he was able to learn both safeties and he was able to learn how to play in the sub package and Vic Fangio's defense. So I don't think he's going to fall off somehow in one, in, in one season, but he's not Justin Simmons, but he is a great fit for the Broncos right now if he's going to be that guy they lean on on Sunday against the Texans. Yeah, I think my only concern with Caden is I think that he's shown really good ball skills, right? I think he had two interceptions last year, played a lot in the dime, is a really good coverage guy and and can do different things for them. I don't think he's a great tackler at times. And like we saw against the Seahawks, that was an issue for the Broncos is is tackling. And so they need Caden – to come up and be a physical guy. We've seen that with Kareem Jackson. And, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Kareem kind of take over that leadership role in that secondary. And, and I think Kareem's obviously more than capable and ready to do that. But I do have some concerns with Caden in terms of can he be a physical presence? Can he come up and be a run stuffer when they need him to be? And I think he's shown that at times, but I think he's also struggled with tackling. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they fill that role. It sounds like PJ Locke is now going to kind of be the the dime type guy, which is where Caden was playing. Uh, they also have Kwan Williams, who's, I think, a little bit banged up. I think he's got a wrist problem. Uh, he was on the injury report as well yesterday. So that secondary could look a little bit different. I know they also brought up Isang Bassi uh, from the practice squad. He's now on the active roster. So I'm interested, where is he going to end up fitting? We've seen him play anywhere from corner uh, to nickel to dime to, to safety. Uh, so he's a kind of a utility guy that they can do some certain things with. Does DeLaren Turner yell, get pulled up and play some special teams, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, so it's really interesting to see how that secondary is going to shake out, Nick. And, and you know, looking at just the injury report as a whole, I think most of these guys are, are going to be fine. I, I don't know how many will play on Sunday, but Randy Gregory didn't practice on Wednesday. 
Uh, he's got a shoulder and knee. Wide receiver KJ Hamler, he's got a knee and hip, didn't practice. Josie Jewell, inside linebacker, obviously didn't play on Monday. He didn't practice. He has still the calf thing going on. Quinn Miners, a hamstring. Sounds like he's going to be out a little bit. Deshaun Williams was a surprise one. We didn't see him at practice. He's got a back injury and didn't practice. Then Kwan Williams limited. Billy Turner, uh, I guess that's the good news on the injury front, is back uh, you know, fully practicing at right tackle. Well, see, that injury report is very interesting. And I'll start with Billy Turner. Now, he no practice all preseason, and we didn't really see him a lot in action during training camp. Now, if he's practicing now, hopefully that means that he's going to be available at the right tackle position on Sunday against the Texans. And if that's the case, it makes that offensive line that much better. But here's the only issue. You, earlier you mentioned Quinn Miners and his hamstring injury. So this means that Graham Glasgow is going to be at that right guard position. I know he took a lot of flag, and, and I, I gave him some of it, and I, I'll say it, it was duly noted from what happened in that Javante Williams fumble. But now you worry about chemistry with Billy Turner if he's going to be the starter on Sunday. And even, you know, Cam Fleming moving forward, how can those two guys work in unison to make that offensive line that much better? We definitely have to pay attention uh, to that moving forward. But you mentioned a couple of guys uh, as far as with the Simmons injury. You mentioned Isang Bassey. What's going to happen with him? How he's going to be utilized? I mean, using him as a corner or using him in that sub package will be great. And to me, it still allows you, if you're Azura Ever or the defensive coordinator, to use your defense and move guys around like you wanted to do, even with Simmons uh, out of the ballgame. Don't be surprised, George, if you happen to see Isang Bassey take a couple of snaps at the safety position and with Caden Stearns now being – uh, in the box. That's going to be very interesting, but they're going to need all their guys uh, this week against Houston, Texas, because that Pierce kid, he can run the ball down there in Houston. Yeah. I mean, Davis Mills is, is, uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say a good quarterback, but he can do some things. And, and I mean, he's arguably better than, than Geno Smith. And we saw what Geno Smith did to the Broncos on Monday night. So it, I think that the secondary is definitely some concern. I, I think that you also bring up a good point on the offensive line, Nick. I think when you have the right side and the shuffling that they're going to be doing up there where you, you know, last week they start Quinn Miners and uh, Cam Fleming out there at right, you know, right tackle and right guard. And now all of a sudden this week you might be starting Graham Glasgow and Billy Turner at right guard and right tackle. Uh, what does that chemistry look like on the offensive line? And I know, hey, look, I didn't play in the NFL. I didn't play in college, <laughs> but I did play some football in high school. My dad played, my dad was an offensive line coach. Uh, you know, at major college football. And, and he always talks about the chemistry up front and you want to have the same five guys play a lot of football together. So if you're rotating a lot of different guys up there on the offensive line, maybe that becomes an issue. And, and you know, Quinn Miners, I don't know if you've gone back and rewatched the game, Nick, but I didn't realize Quinn Miners was playing, uh, uh, having a great game. I mean, they were running right off of him in between him and Cam Fleming a lot of that game with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And he was just moving guys. I mean, he was just pancaking dudes. So losing Quinn Miners could be a bigger loss than people realize. I know Graham Glasgow has played a lot of football and he's played at a high level before, but that could end up being, I think, a really big loss the next few weeks, depending on how long he's out. I know that he was a candidate also for the IR, and I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing him on there as well. Well, yeah, that right side of the offensive line, you know, early part of that Seattle game, they, they was moving and grooving. And that's the thing that made the play in the red zone with Graham Glasgow stick out so much because Quinn Miners was doing 
a great job. And here's another thing. I mean, when you think about offensive linemen and idea of offensive linemen pulling their hamstring, you don't think that is something that typically happens because you're not thinking that they run that fast. But, you know, I'm, I was really happy and even shocked at the fact that Quinn Miners was still playing a major part of that game, Monday Night Football, with the hamstring injury. So that tells you about his pain, his pain tolerance. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they revamp that right side of the offensive line. But here's one thing that I can say that Broncos country can, can lean on. You don't have to play on the road. You're dealing with your home crowd. So every player along that offensive line, they will be able to hear. So we shouldn't have to deal with, hey, I didn't hear the call. And we have some kind of tragedy in the red zone like we saw on Monday night. But I, I just have confidence that they'll get things right on that offensive line. But this is but when you really think about it, this is an excellent time for Graham Glasgow with Quinn Miners being out for a couple of weeks with that hamstring injury. Now maybe he can do something in the game on Sunday that will cement himself as being reconsidered, I guess, for being that starting right guard. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder, uh, you, you bring up a good point about hearing uh, during the game. I wonder if we'll see the, uh, from Russell Wilson, we'll see the Peyton Manning, you know, the uh, calm down, you know, everybody be quiet Yeah, um, that, that he became famous for in Denver. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that offensive line looks moving forward if they're rotating guys in and out. And I'm excited to see Billy Turner. I mean, that's a guy that they went out and got for a specific reason. I mean, that right tackle spot, as you know, Nick, has been an issue for years now in Denver. Uh, and they're hoping that Billy Turner can be a guy that really helps them there. And he's also a guy that can that can play some guard. He's played basically everywhere on the offensive line. And that's something that you know Hackett's known for is moving guys around. So I wonder if we see him at other places this season. Nick, one thing I did want to ask that that I forgot to earlier about Justin Simmons, the quad injury, you being a safety, we talked a little bit about this at practice. What? How serious do you think that, I mean, we, we don't know the specifics of it. We haven't even talked to Justin, but when you hear a quad for a guy like safety, how, how serious could that be? Is this something that we could see, we don't see Justin Simmons to the back half of the season? Is this something that, you know, it's four weeks and he's back? I mean, how serious do you think we're talking here with them? I don't think it's as serious as a knee injury would be, but it is still something you should be concerned with because we're talking about a soft tissue injury. Uh, Quads, hamstrings, sometimes they take a long time for guys to uh, recover, and it also depends on who the guy is. But from a safety position, it could be really difficult because a lot of your job, you're turning, pivoting, running, change of direction, all of those things could be hindered by that thigh injury and one thing you have to try to control is the swelling, because usually when you get an injury in any part of the body, the body wants to feed the, that, that area and flood it with, with blood to kind of start the healing process. And that's what you worry about. Once that blood gets filled in there, the swelling starts to, you know, uh, get much larger. And the biggest thing is it becomes really stiff. Being able to eliminate that stiffness, it is something the trainers uh, definitely would have to work on. I mean, I've been in that situation before. Hey man, I still got the divot in my in my thigh, and uh, I haven't played football in over uh, a decade, and it can really hinder you as far as being able to explode. And that's something that you know when you look at Simmons and his ability, that's something he excelled at is exploding. So you don't want to put him out there; he can't explode, he can't tackle. Now, I mean, he's at the mercy uh, of the offense, and you definitely don't want to put him in that situation this week against Pierce because Pierce runs well behind his pads, and he's kind of like uh, their version of Javante uh, Williams. So 
if if Simmons is out there now, he gets run he gets run over, and now his injuries have escalated to something else. So it's best to kind of sit him out. But that's a very difficult injury to play with if at the safety position. Yeah, it's a really interesting situation too because it sounds like he injured it during the game uh, and ended up you know finishing out the game. I mean, he played the rest of the. I don't know what when it happened. Maybe it was towards the end of the game. But have you ever had an injury like that where you? You know, you played through it, and then the next day you're like, wait, this could be actually pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, man. I was uh, playing against uh, the Chargers, uh, I think it was back in, uh, I want to say, uh, 2006 or something like that. Well, yeah, um, yeah, about 2006, something like that. Uh, don't hold me to uh, the year. But what happened was uh, Philip Rivers threw a pass to Antonio Gates and intercepted the ball. Fell awkwardly, didn't really think anything of it. Got up and just felt as though something was wrong with my leg. And come to find out later, after the day after, I had torn my meniscus. Mm-hmm. But during the game, I just went out there and I, and I played. And, and I, I couldn't believe that I actually got through that game, George, because there were moments where my knee would shift out after plays. And then miraculously, you know, when the ref blew the whistle to start the play, for some reason, I still don't know how this happened, it would shift back in. So I know all about trying to play with those injuries. And, and sometimes you, you do that thinking about team and you don't think about uh, the future. And I could have easily put my uh, career or my, my, my life after football in jeopardy doing it. But at, at the time, I really didn't care and it was about the team. So I mean, that's why Quinn Miners did it. That's why Justin Simmons did it, because it wasn't about them. It was about the team. But unfortunately for them, uh, they didn't win against uh, the Seattle Seahawks. But we have to rely on Graham Glasgow, P.J. Locke, and Caden Stearns to try to get that first win of the season on Sunday. Yeah, you know, for me, I've uh, broken a couple bones. Obviously, again, haven't played in the NFL. But I knew immediately <laughs> – I knew immediately – when I fell off the uh, bird scooter a few years ago that I had broken my arm. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I don't know if I can relate to Justin Simmons injury, but uh, I have, I have been injured before, but uh, Nick, let's take a break. Uh, and then when we come back, let's talk a little special teams. Let's ride with touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, Nick, we're back from the break. Um, we were just talking about my bird scooter injury, uh, <laughs> which, I mean, I can jump into that story if you want me to. I know that you... No, tell the story. You, you brought it up. You talk about bird scooter. I was like, what? Well, it was um, it was the uh, night before OU Texas in 2018. Uh, I was there covering the game for um, the school newspaper, and I was out with some friends the night before, and we had been, uh, you know, going out and stuff. And so we got on one. It was it was right when the like bird and lime scooters became like a big thing and they were everywhere. So we were in Dallas and uh, we're just birding to the next place we're going to go. And and I just didn't see a curb and I nailed it and I, I flip over and I just land, you know, my right hand first. And uh, it just it breaks like right at my elbow. And uh, my buddies like are just, you know, they're dying laughing. And I'm like, right. hey, I think I need to go to the emergency room and uh luckily my uncle uh lives in dallas and he has a um he's like an emergency room doctor and it's like midnight so I, I just go to his place and he's like he's like yeah uh 
you know, because I was like, I have to work tomorrow. I have to be able to write and type and everything. And he's like, well, if we put you in a cast, you're not gonna be able to do any of that. Or like, if we, you know, wrap you up tonight, you're not gonna be able to do any of that. He's like, but I can put you in a sling and you can just take a ton of Advil and suck it up. So that's what I did. I went to the game the next day, wrote a story. Oh, OU ended up losing. It was like a crazy game. Kyler Murray, like had this, you know, crazy comeback performance and all this stuff. And then I remember I went to the emergency room immediately after the game and had them put me up there like when did this happen I was like last night they're like why did you not get this fixed earlier and I was like I had I had to go to the phone. work now, now here here's the thing uh, George I always ask my kids after they do something they shouldn't do so I'll ask you what did you learn from that situation I, I learned that I shouldn't have been doing that uh, I've not been on a scooter since um, I can promise you that I've not been on a scooter since and I also I also and my parents are going to listen to this uh, but I lied to them for like a year oh. I lied to telling him I was not on a scooter. I just oh, okay. George confessions didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> now they give me crap for it, but uh, and it costs quite a bit of money. So I'm sure my dad was super happy about that um, with the, with the insurance. But, uh, but, uh, come on, George. I know, I know. But Nick, let's jump. Let's jump into some special teams. Um, I, I with the injuries going on, and you and I talked about this yesterday. I thought you brought up a, a fantastic point at practice about why maybe the special teams struggled a little bit. And when you have injuries, all of a sudden guys are maybe playing special teams and starting on both sides of the ball. We saw that with Alex Singleton and Jonas Griffith, and, and we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Nick, do you want to dive into why, you know, maybe the special teams unit wasn't as successful, especially on, on kickoff? I think it was kickoff coverage. And then obviously I, I talked to Montreal Washington yesterday, and we can get into that a little bit later. But explain your reasoning for, you know, these guys that, are, you know, starting on defense, all of a sudden they have to go on, on kickoff as well. Yeah, that, that's a part of the game that uh, most uh, individuals don't really pay attention to and most fans don't really look at as being a difficult uh, position for a defensive player to be in. As a guy that played uh, over 10 years in the NFL and, and majority of the time I played on all special teams except a PAT field goal, I can personally tell you that that is exhausting. When I was watching the game, that's the first thing that jumped out at me because the Broncos almost had a punt blocked on the on the right side. And I saw, you know, Jonas Griffith and I saw Alex Singleton. I'm just like, what are those guys doing on special teams? And, and usually, you know, uh, Alexander Singleton, he would be a guy playing on special team if Josie Jewell was uh, up for the Seattle game as a starting linebacker. But it's exhaustive, man. You have to run down on kickoff team, and then you have to line up. And just think about it, you're the, you're the middle linebacker. You got to get the calls in. You got to disseminate it to the guys uh, on the field. And then when guys start to move and shift offensively, you have to have the ability to speak up and speak up loudly and kind of let them know what to do. But, George, I don't know if you ever experienced one of those situations. You talked about, you know, falling on your wrist. But you ever experienced a situation when you needed to talk and you couldn't talk and you just had cotton mouth and your mouth and your tongue was sticking together? That's exactly what happens to those guys. And I'm sure – it happened to them because during the preseason, you know, they got a taste of it in the Buffalo game. That's why I feel that's why that Buffalo game was so bad. And that's why when I look at the Broncos special teams heading into Sunday's game, that is a slight concern for me. Simmons is out. So that means that Caden Stearns could end up being the starting safety for the Broncos. And oh, by the way, he still has to play special teams. And for me, if I'm a Dwayne Stoops, I'm looking at someone else on as a reserve corner or linebacker. No, I'm going to stick you guys in there because we need them more 
on the offensive, I mean, the defensive side, then we need them on special teams and you don't want to have that drop off. So that is something that is a concern with Simmons going down, Josie Jewell going down and you're having Jonas Griffith and you're having Alex Singleton and probably Kate and Kane Stearns all still playing on special teams while doing their defensive duties. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they end up figuring that out because I do think Caden has been on, I want to say kickoff and maybe punt um, as one of the coverage guys that, you know, the past uh, two years now. And he's obviously a guy that they trust a lot on special teams. Same with PJ Locke, right? I mean, if he's end up playing a, a bigger role and all of a sudden, you know, I know he's on, on several special teams units, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And then also, you know, we mentioned Josie Jewell. He didn't practice on Wednesday. If he's not practicing still by Thursday and Friday, he's probably out again. And you're looking at Alex Singleton and Jonas Griffith again playing special teams and, uh, you know, playing defense, which uh, maybe they mix that up. Maybe they they put in, I don't know, maybe Nick Benito, who I, I don't think Nick Benito played one snap, but he was active on, on, on Monday. And maybe they say to him, say, hey, you've got to play some special teams for us this week. And I don't know how comfortable they are with a rookie doing that. But I, I, I just think that they've got to maybe look at other options because I think you bring up a really good point is, especially Alex Singleton, when, you know, they go into that dime package and they have one linebacker out there, it's Alex Singleton. At least it was uh, on Monday night. It was Jonas Griffith coming off the field and Alex Singleton calling the defense with the green dot. So it's going to be interesting to see, do they pull Alex off of it? Hopefully they get Josie Jewell back and that fixes some of the issues there, but now they have to deal with that at safety. The other one I wanted to ask you about, Nick, and I brought him up earlier is Montreal Washington. It, obviously when they drafted him, it was very clear he's going to be the return guy. And there was a lot of high hopes. He had a great training camp, looked great in the preseason uh, and things just didn't open up for him Monday night. And I don't know if that was, he got a little too antsy, which is what he told me on the first kickoff return is that he should have never brought it out of the end zone, uh, which is going to happen with a rookie. And we, we talked to Dwayne Stukes about that last week and they weren't really concerned about that. And of course there he is on his first kickoff return and he brings it out when he probably shouldn't have. And then it looked like the other returns, he just didn't really have a whole lot of blocking. I don't want to blame the other 10 guys. And, and that's kind of what Montrell told me. He's like, yeah, there just weren't a ton of lanes. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you can speak to a returner uh, on that side, but like, are you concerned at all about Montrell Washington? Is it just, Hey, welcome to the NFL moment. Uh, what do you maybe expect from him, you know, moving forward? Well, let's start there. He did have his uh, welcome to the NFL moment because the big running back DJ Dallas came down and smacked him one time. And that one that you're talking about in Montreal talked about himself that he shouldn't have brought it out. You, you can see the hesitation just a little and he's having that conversation with himself, but he brought it out. I mean, and, and I can understand why he's been making plays all training camp and he wanted to be a spark uh, on, on the special teams unit. But unfortunately for him and you wouldn't say it, I was hoping you said you really wouldn't go there, but I'm going to say it. That blocking up front wasn't great for Montreal, right? It, it, let's be let's be totally honest. And and what those returners are looking for, George, they're looking for somewhat of a crease or an alley because they're taught to run to the backside of their blockers. But th there was there was no block no backside because guess what? Seattle Seahawks uh, special teams unit they did a great job of spreading the field, beating the front line of the Broncos on the, on kickoff return. So hopefully, you know, they've worked on some of those issues, being in position, making sure that they can give a backside for Montreal to find 
to hit deadline because look, we get a chance to watch practice and we watched it all training camp. This, this kid is special. People wonder, well, why would the Broncos go out and draft a returner for these particular reasons? And I know we didn't see a, a great showing on, on Monday night, but we know what he's capable of. And it, it's not just the returner, George. It's the guy, the other 10 guys up front. They have to be committed to making their block and say, well, you know what? When we turn on the film uh, in two days after the game, I want to make sure that I'm not the guy that Stukes is yelling at, right? And if all 10 of those guys believe that and they have that type of fear in that in their minds, they're going to maintain their blocks and sustain them so they can create a crease for Montreal. Yeah, and I think they'll get better at that as the season goes on again it's a tough environment to go into, especially as a rookie to, I mean, and he, it's not like he was playing major college football and that's not to take anything away from him, but you not let him hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, look, I, he had a great game against Florida last year in the swamp, I believe. Uh, and he's played on big stages, but you know, when you go to Seattle, uh, in that type of environment, that type of crowd, Monday night football, um, I'm sure he was a little, probably over amped. Uh, and I think he'll sit, he'll settle back in this week because like you said, we've, we've seen it before the, the kids got a lot of talent. And, and again, it's not all on him. I don't think uh, only, maybe only the first kickoff return was on him in terms of, you know, he probably shouldn't have brought it out, but I, I do think the lanes will open and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend. Cause I'm, I'm looking here at the stats from, from the Houston Colts game. It looks like the Colts didn't have one opportunity to return any kicks. They, they, they uh, kicked it through the end zone for a touchback, I believe, every single time. And then he, it looks like they did have a couple punt returns uh, for a seven-yard average. So maybe he'll, he'll get a chance on a punt return. But I do think special teams is going to be a key for, for this game and moving forward. I mean, we've seen it, Nick, in the past when, when Tom McMahon was the special teams coordinator, that they lost games because they weren't very good on special teams or they were became, you know, uh, close games because they made a mistake on special teams. And obviously the field goal, I don't know if I put that on the special teams unit uh, on Monday night, missing that field goal, but it, it is going to become a factor this season. What do you think of Dwayne Stukes and the job he's done? And, and do you, do you have a little bit of hesitation after that first game and how they, you know, didn't really execute on kickoff coverage as well as they probably had hoped. And also, they didn't, you know, have any big returns as well. And then, and then they also, like you said, they almost gave up a blocked punt on the one punt that they did have. Well, as a guy that uh, played his entire career on the special teams unit, and I cut my teeth uh, in the league before becoming a starter on that unit. I'll, I'll tell you this: it's one of the most important units uh, out there. I know it's three phases of the game, but when you think about every game, it starts off with a kickoff. Right. And and I know Coach Stukes probably gave it to the guys. And that's me being putting it mildly. But I'm sure those meetings were really spirited because when you see him, he's a coach that's uh, really fired up. He played special teams himself. And I know he, he's taking it on his shoulders and saying, well, my unit did not uh, come up to uh, a play up to my particular standard and didn't have an impact on the game. It was a negative impact. And yes, you do count that uh, failed field goal. Uh, to lose the game against special teams because that, that was a special teams opportunity and McManus didn't really come through on, on that part. But, yeah, I mean, you, you're a little upset. A lot of things were not uh, as clean as you would like. But it was it was a, when you look at it, first action for a lot of those guys. It, it sounds like a justification and excuse. And in this case, I guess I'm giving one. But I'm sure he's looking at it and say, well, we can't give excuses. We have to do our part uh, to 
make sure that we don't hinder the team's ability to win the game and we have to do something to contribute to the victory as well. So I'm hoping uh, to see a better outing by the guys on special teams, especially that coverage team. There was a couple of guys who were not really in their lane. And uh, George, I know you said that you didn't play football, but I can tell you one of the most dangerous plays in football is running down on kickoff and not seeing that, that blindside block. And I think Tyree Cleveland on the left side, he, he found out what that was like, and hopefully he's learned from that. And when you're running down, you got to keep your head on a swivel. So I'm interested to see how this team responds on Sunday, but I'm really interested to see how this special team unit as a group on all, all – all, I'm talking about kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return, and PAT field goal. All those guys, I want to see how they bounce back and how they play collectively together. Yeah, and I, I will say I thought it was interesting. It seemed like they were purposely uh, kicking it short on the kickoffs, and they wanted to try and cover the kicks and, and pin them deep or something because we know Brandon McManus can kick it through the end zone the majority of the time, and it, it seemed like they were uh, trying to kick it short. Did you did you see that just quickly, and then we'll, we'll hit a break? But I, I just felt like that was an odd thing where you could just easily kick it through the end zone. Well, you know what? I, I know Coach Stukes had that kind of philosophy in the preseason games. He wanted to see yeah, what yeah. guys could actually play. I'm, I'm hoping that wasn't the case, and that just was a case of McManus not putting enough uh, leg on the kick because, once again, you don't want to give your opponent you know, a great field position. So hopefully that wasn't the concept and idea, and hopefully that's not the concept and idea going into this Sunday's game against the Texans. Yeah, I don't think it will be after the – <laughs> the way they returned the ball, I mean, I <laughs> especially now, now you're back in Denver. You can really, you can kick it further than anywhere yes, else. So, exactly. So I, I would assume they'll kick it to the end zone, but uh, Nick, let's hit a break and then we'll come back with our keys to the game against the Texans. Let's ride with touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, Nick, we're back from break. Let's jump into some keys to the game uh, against the Texans. Obviously, for me, my number one key is Russell Wilson. Can he continue to be the quarterback that we saw on Monday night? I think that we want to see a little bit, maybe a little bit more from him, maybe, you know, get the moon ball in there that we, we've been dying to see. Uh, obviously, you know, Lovey Smith is a guy that likes to play a lot of Tampa too, which I want to ask you about you know, to maybe explain exactly. I mean, I understand what it is, but maybe some people don't. Maybe we can get into what that coverage looks like. And he and he spoke about Russell Wilson, you know, this week. And we have some audio for it, but he spoke really highly of Russell Wilson. And that's who I'm looking forward to see. So here's Lovey Smith talking about Russell and what he brings to the table. Uh, I, I think, you know, with just one game to uh, to sample it by, uh, Russell Wilson I don't think is going to change an awful lot. He's an excellent football player whenever he goes out on the football field. Uh, he can make all the throws. Uh, he's accurate. Uh, he's mobile. He knows how to uh, buy time uh, to throw the ball uh, with his legs. And when he does run, he knows how to get down and not take a hit. So just been a big fan, of course. Anybody that knows football has been a big fan of his. And uh, if you're a player, you know what that challenge brings, too. You know, we have a lot of young players on our on our defense on the defensive side, especially in the secondary, and uh, I mean, they want to see exactly how they match up against one of the greats. Yeah, that's Lovey Smith, courtesy of Broncos.com. Uh, Nick, just let me let me flip this on you right here, 
if you're Lovey Smith and you're preparing for Russell Wilson, who is obviously going to be a, a huge factor in this game, how do you prepare uh, for for a quarterback like him? Well, the fortunate thing for Lovey, he's coached in college football and he's dealt with a lot of the RPO system and mobile running backs because I mean quarterbacks because in college football that's basically what they do with these guys. You you, you watch every Saturday, you see some sign with uh, uh, maybe a face of Madonna. You know, having no idea what that means, and that's just kind of giving information to those quarterbacks. So Lovey is familiar with it and how you know, to contain and make sure that those mobile quarterbacks don't get outside of the pocket. And that's something that the Seattle Seahawks tried to do last week. And you can expect that Lovey would try to do the same thing with their defense. And I, I can tell you this, man, this Houston Texans defense is so much better than it's been in, in years past. I mean, they really get after you up front. Uh, Jerry Hughes at the linebacker uh, position. Uh, I mean, play used to play for the Bills. They have some guys that can really get after them, especially on that second level. And one thing that I thought was great, even though they lost to the Colts uh, on Sunday, is those guys are downhill right now. I mean, they see it, they read it, and they get downhill, and they're flat, fast flow type of defense. But that's where, if you're Nathaniel Hackett, you can take advantage of them because we saw last game on Monday night that the Broncos utilized their tight ends a lot, and they u- utilized the, the boots keep game to kind of get – Russell out on the edge and, and kind of exploit the defense with the tight end. So maybe that, that may be the game plan this week, but I know uh, this is a tough task just because it's the Houston Texans doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be somewhat of a cakewalk for the Broncos on Sunday. Yeah. And they, they also have some, some young guys in that secondary for Houston that I think are going to end up being really good players. I mean, you talk about Derek Stingley Jr. Obviously highly talented out, out of LSU, maybe didn't have, the best, you know, last season at LSU, but is still a super talented guy, a guy that they believe is going to be a superstar for them. I mean, Lovey Smith talked about him yesterday and kind of compared him to Pat Sertan. And obviously Pat Sertan has been phenomenal, uh, you know, the last two years now for the Broncos. And so I'm interested to see what he looks like out there. And then the other one that, you know, I actually watched a lot of in college is Jalen Petrie at safety. And I wanted to get maybe your take on him and also just that Texan secondary, because Jalen Petrie is a guy out of Baylor that was one of the best safeties, in my opinion, in in the in the country last year. I mean, I I watched him quite a bit because I, obviously I watch Oklahoma being an Oklahoma grad, and he would, I mean, he hits dudes. I mean, he's physical back there, and he's a guy uh, that can really play some good football. I, I can't remember did, did he maybe get banged up in game one, or maybe he got a targeting call or something like that. I think against the Colts. But what do you think of that Texan secondary, especially with some of the young guys they've got? Uh, first off, uh, r- really a physical group. Uh, they run to the ball well. Uh, once again, that's one of the things that I saw. Uh, they're trying to get 11 hats in, in the frame to make sure that the receiver, the quarterback, or the running back definitely fills them, especially moving into the fourth quarter. But the one thing that uh, sticks out is uh, this is a young group. This is a group that's still trying to come together. They have areas that can be exploited, not because they're not talented enough. It is just because that they're still trying to learn how to play the game together. Still, Once again, it's, it's still week two, right? It's early on in the season, and every guy's trying to get a feel uh, for the game. And when I go back to watching uh, that, that game they, the Houston Texans played against the Colts, they did a great job at the very beginning of the game trying to box in Jonathan Taylor, but eventually Taylor would end the, finish the game with 31 carries, 161 yards, and then one touchdown. 
And immediately I, I just kind of thought about the two running backs we have, but more importantly, you know, uh, Javante Williams and how he runs down here as a physical runner. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens and who gives first, whether it be the guys in the secondary for the Texans or will it be Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon? I'm going to, I'm going to put my money on Javante uh, in Melvin, but I know Lovey's probably thinking about how we're going to stop Russell and these two uh, running backs. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because you look at the stats from the Colts and, and, you know, Matt Ryan was 32 of 50, 352 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I mean, that's a, a decent stat line. And I would assume Russell Wilson could have a very similar, if not better one, I would I would assume uh, than, than Matt Ryan. And then you you look at their, their rushing. Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries for 161 yards. I, I mean, I, I would assume obviously Javante Williams is not going to get 31 carries, but if Javante Williams gets 15, 16 carries, he's going to be close to probably hitting that 100 yard mark. Uh, same with Melvin Gordon. If Melvin Gordon gets, you know, 10, 12 carries, uh, I think that they're going to be able to run the football on the Texans. And then again, if Matt Ryan's thrown for 352 yards, I, I, I mean, I would assume that Russell Wilson, after throwing for 340 on the Seahawks, Seahawks, I feel like Russell could have a really big day. So while I think that this Texans defense will end up being pretty good in the future, and they've got some really young, talented players. This is a defense that the Broncos should be able to score on. And, and of course, they can't fumble at the one-yard line, right? Uh, they have to execute in the red zone uh, and those sorts of things. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing if this Broncos offense can maybe put some points together. And I think that they're going to be pretty motivated, too, after the performance they put together last week. I think that this is a, a team that wants to go out and maybe run up the points and, and get – you know, 30, 40 points if they can. I know that's a that's a, uh, a tough ask, but I think that this is a team that's capable of doing that. Nick, let's flip it to the other side. What do you see from this Texans offense? I think obviously Davis Mills is a guy that, you know, wasn't somebody that was, you know, drafted in the first round, I don't believe. Isn't a guy that everybody was like, oh, you got to get this quarterback. But he's looked pretty solid. You know, last year he came in um, and obviously was thrown into a tough situation, played pretty well. And then last week, I'm looking at his stat line here. 23 of 37, 240 yards, two touchdowns, 98.9 rating. Uh, I feel like he's playing decent football right now. Yeah, he's playing uh, efficient football. That That's the best way to yeah. uh, uh, call it. And, you know, Lovey Smith, you know, loves Davis Mills in his second year. And the one thing about it, you know, th there is some kind of familiarity with the offense and the verbiage, knowing as though, you know, the college he went to, Pep Hamilton, where he's been in his NFL career. So the idea is to take this young quarterback, make the game really easy for him. Uh, turn around, hand the ball off. They run a lot of RPO. One thing they did, they came out in the game against uh, the Colts with this kind of crazy uh, formation where they got both tackles with a running back in the backfield spread to spread the field just so they can see how the defense will line up with it. So that tells me, uh, this is a team that has nothing to lose and everything to gain. So they have no problems running out with a couple of gadget plays. And this is what Jajiro Evero and the Broncos uh, defense will have to uh, plan for some of those gadget and gadget plays. But uh, I mean, Mills, he, he can throw the ball down the field. Uh, uh, he has the arm. The ball placement is there. The, the one thing that you worry about, do you have enough wide receivers? Now they have uh, Farrell Brown and OJ Howard, uh, who just was signed, you know, before week one's matchup against the Colts, uh, who I thought was a, a good running back, I mean, tight end, excuse me. 
coming out of college, and I, I don't still don't know why Tampa let him go, but uh, he had two touchdowns on Sunday against the Colts. And let's go back to what we saw Monday yeah. night against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks used an efficient game plan to keep Geno Smith in rhythm, and they used their tight end. So, I mean, you watch film, you have to figure that the Texans will try to utilize the same uh, uh, scheme against the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the, the tight end concern is a real one, right? When you looked at their coverage, obviously the, the first one seemed like a busted coverage and, and Alex Singleton makes the sack and we're not talking about it, right? But the second yeah. one, uh, you know, it looks like Griffith gets beat, looked like maybe he was expecting some some help over the top. Um, you know, I think Kareem Jackson was there a little bit late maybe, but I, I think that that's definitely a concern when you look at a guy like O.J. Howard. I'm, I'm a big believer in him too, kid out of Alabama. Um, you know, was phenomenal in college. I thought he played well in Tampa Bay, obviously was let go, I think by the Bills. Yeah, by the Bills. Yeah. And so I I think that he's a guy that could be an X factor. You've got Brandon Cooks on the outside, um, you know, for them as well. And he's a guy that's obviously played a lot of football as a guy that can uh, come in and be a difference maker. Nick, if when you're drawing up this defense, let's say, let's put you in Evero's shoes and, and, and you're, you're going up, you're planning for this offense. Where are the weaknesses? Where do you think you can take advantage of this offense because I think that when you lose a guy like Justin Simmons this feels like a game Justin Simmons you know he's had five interceptions the last two years in each of the last two seasons this feels like a game that he would maybe get one of those you get a couple turnovers last week they only got one on the forced fumble by Randy Gregory where do you think that this Broncos defense can take advantage of the Texans maybe force some turnovers and get the ball back well because the Texans don't really have what I'm going to call like that marquee wide receiver and this is not a shot at uh, Brandon Cooks because I think he's one hell of a, uh, a wide receiver. Once again, you have Ronald Darby and you have PS2. If those two guys cannot match up match up with the Texans wide receivers and take them out of the equation, then we have a problem. But I know, and I know you know as well, these two guys are definitely capable of that. So with Simmons being out, now you can use K-Jack or even Caden Stearns in a different way, dropping them into – that soft zone between the hashes and allow them to rob anything. And what I mean by rob, take away any of those uh, uh, short intermediate routes and still be active in the run game. This is where you can take advantage of because we know, you know, Pierce is one heck of a running back and he proved that uh, in, in the preseason and in the game on, on Sunday. So this is where you are trying to utilize all the skill sets of your guys to really force uh, Davis Mills to really beat you and, and tie one hand behind his back. And try to beat you, uh, you know, handing the ball off and maybe throwing some short passes. But this is where the Broncos defense can take advantage of the Texans uh, team on offense. Right. Yeah, I, I think that that's th- this is a, a game that the Broncos should win. Right. I mean, when you look on both sides of the ball, I, I think that, w- w- you know, again, the Texans, I think, have a, have a decent defense and, and they should be able to maybe slow the Broncos down at times. But I just think that they have too many weapons. Uh, the Broncos do that, that they should be able to put up some points. And then, like you just said, on the defensive side, I just think that the secondary, despite being down Justin Simmons and Caden Stern sliding into that role, I just think that they're going to be able to maybe create some turnovers, put Davis Mills in some difficult positions, especially if, you know, Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory off the edge, if they can get to him, put some pressure on him. I think as good as Davis Mills has been at times, you know, he's going to make some mistakes. He's still a young quarterback. And I think that, this Broncos defense being the veteran group that it is uh, can get some stops. And, you know, I think that the Texans only ran for 77 yards last week. This isn't a team that's going to be like the Seahawks where they just run it down uh, your throat. I, I think that this is a, this is a team that 
is going to rely on Davis Mills to make some big plays. So you got to limit those, right? You got to limit the gadget plays. You got to limit the big plays. Lastly, Nick, do we want to do some sort of predictions? Like I, I know we, uh, you know, typically don't maybe do that, but do you do you want to put in a prediction for this game? How do you yes. want to finish yes. this off here? Why not? So I'm going. Here's my prediction for the game. Obviously, it is a Broncos win. They get their first win of the season. I'm going to put the Broncos 27-13. Broncos. I like it. I like it. Mine's mine's very similar. I, I think the Broncos bounce back this week. I think that they're probably a little bit angry about how Monday night went. I think that they don't let that snowball, uh, and I think that they want to put together a really good performance. You're back home. Russell Wilson's first game at Empower Field. I think the Broncos win like 31 to 10, and, and maybe that's way too big of a difference. I just think that they come out and they, they play really well. They play good football. Uh, they limit the Texans in, in the big plays, and I think Russell Wilson has a, a really big day in his first game at Mile High. Um, Nick, any final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend? The final thoughts, you know, hey, it's, it's real simple. Broncos need to win. It's about being efficient, doing your job. But more importantly, with the prediction that both you and I just gave, that means that uh, they are really efficient inside the red zone and they're yeah. not turning the ball over. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. That should be the number one key every week, right? Don't turn the ball over and force yeah. turnovers, right? You you win the turnover battle, the majority of the time you're going to win the football game. So Absolutely. Uh, so hopefully the Broncos figure that out this week. But thanks for everybody tuning in. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and we'll be back next week with uh, a post-game podcast, hopefully uh, Monday, on, on our reaction to the Texans game. Hopefully it's a win for the Broncos this week. Maybe we're not talking about a long field goal try. Um, you know, for 45 minutes next week. So um, thanks, Nick, for, for hopping on here. And we'll see you guys next week.